Oh. What? <laughs> Did I jinx you this time? Nothing. Uh. No, you didn't jinx me. It's fine. It's, it's been a. It's been a. It's been a rough. Uh, it's been a rough year in general. We'll get into that. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome everyone to this not so common podcast. Returning is Ben Heck. We spoke last year. I think it was May 2017. Ben Heck, of formerly of the Ben Heck Show of Element 14. He's also he also works for Spooky Pinball. And uh, welcome back to the show, Ben. Yeah, no, I'm just a bum who doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you taking that YouTube unemployment? Is that a thing you could uh, you can go after Google for? You can apply for unemployment. That'd be funny. <laughs> well, That'd I, be I funny know, if they had that. Well, I remember I, I had a corporate sponsor, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't using. I remember you and Ian talking about me once, and you're like, he can't be living off those views. And you're right, it was corporate <laughs> sponsorship. So. Uh, no, I just been uh, just been taking it easy lately, and like uh, doing like uh, landscaping and stuff around the house. And, <laughs> yeah. In beautiful Wisconsin. Actually, right now it's actually pretty nice. We had like a heat wave last month, but when I was moving, lovely. But uh, yeah, it's not too bad. You know, it's like putting rocks around and stuff. So that's kind of like my that's what I've been doing lately. Actually, you're going from the the high tech to the low caveman tech, throwing rocks around the yard. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I, I'm still working on some uh, gaming projects in the background, but I'm just kind of taking it slow because eight we had eight solid years of doing that show. So, well, when I uh, when we first spoke on the podcast last May, wow, I've been doing this secondary podcast for over well over a year now. You mentioned that that was the first time you kind of revealed, like, yeah, this is going to end at some point, and uh, so yes. it was kind of that was a that was the first sort of you know. So sort of glimmers of what was in the future for you. And then you had that interview, what was it, February, basically saying, yep, this is coming to an end on the Element 14 channel. And yep. now you're officially out. You had your last video, which was the, the handheld Atari 800. Mm, yes, last Friday. So we'd been, well, I'd been planning to leave since like 2016. So it was a very long, drawn out exit. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I think it was like November or something. Like uh, Newark, the uh, corporate people, they were bought out by another company, Avnet. And then the Avnet people were like, well, we like the Ben Heck show. We should do another season of it. I'm like, okay, I'll do one more season. But it turned up being like a year and a half because the new company, the parent company, they did not have their fiscal years aligned. So it was like one fiscal – no, it was like half of a fiscal year, then another full fiscal year from the new company, if that makes any sense. Are you talking about the Element 14 parent company? Yes, yeah, so if okay. Element Four, so if this, okay, this is like November 2016, right? So um, I think Element Fourteen, yeah, Element Fourteen's fiscal year ends in like I want to say it ends in the summer. Then the new parent company was in the uh, the winter. No, I'm sorry, I got that the other way around. <laughs> the new parent company has a summer to summer fiscal year, right? So okay. when when we decided to do another season of the show, which would would have been like you know November. October-ish 2016, it's like, okay, we're going to do six more months on the original company's fiscal year, close out Newark's fiscal year, which ends in June, and then basically because it was a merger of two companies, it the show the last season ended up being, ended up being 1.5 years because the fiscal years of the two combining companies were not aligned. Does that make any sense? <laughs> Sure, I get it. So I, I think it's interesting that Element 14, I guess they, they stock, what, tons of electronic supplies and dev mm-hmm. kit things of that nature. Yep. They don't really necessarily overtly advertise 
on the videos. So they just sort of be, yeah, it's element 14. So I guess that means that for them, the, these videos obviously showed people using their parts and things you can do with uh, dev kits and other things they sell, but they weren't right. overtly ever pushing them on your show. Yeah, right. So the, the goal all along was basically to have a cool electronics show. And then that was basically meant to get people interested in like the Element 14 brand or drive them to the community. But yeah, as far as the show itself goes, um, they always gave us a lot of autonomy. So that was always nice. I mean, they, I mean, from time to time, they'd be like, hey, TI has a dev kit. Can you do a video about it? And then we'd have to like kind of make a project around a dev kit. Some of those didn't work out. Some of those were a little, weren't the most fun because, you know, we're basically trying to you know, design a project around a product rather than using the right product for the desired project. Um, aside from that, though, they always, yeah, it was always pretty smooth. They treated us well. So, yeah, so the final season was like a year and a half. And then, yeah, as you mentioned last year, I was hinting at it. And then also about a little over a year ago, we tried to change the name of the show, right? Cause what, did we wanted, to, what did you try to change the name to? Something other than Ben Heck Show because <laughs> we knew I was going to be leaving in like a year. Uh, but then everyone complained on YouTube. It's like, no, no, you can't change it. And then they're like, okay, we won't change it. And it's like, well, you got to eventually and shake my head. But, uh, yeah, I did it for, uh, pretty much exactly eight years. It was like July of 2010. And then until the end of last month, June this year. And you built up over 600,000 subscribers that I guess right. a legacy, legacy team has to carry on in your absence. So we have as many subscribers as the average um, cat uh, channel. So that's pretty <laughs> that's, cool. Hey, that's three more than me. Three times more than me. So there you go. <laughs> I think I'm at 230-something. Have you noticed that there's a lot of really good YouTube channels that tend to like top off at like 600, 700, 800,000? It's, um, it's like a plateau. I, I do know that now it's really strange how... If you have a newer channel, you are more likely to break out versus having an established channel with a lot of subscribers. It seems like the algorithms, at least as far as I can tell, talking to other YouTubers that are trying, they're trying to get to the magical one mil, one million mark, where mm-hmm. they were growing half a million, six hundred thousand. All of a sudden, their growth just dies off there. Oh, you know. Yeah. And so I know a couple of YouTubers that were struggling to get there, and it, I guess it's the way it works in the system. I mean, there's so many YouTube channels. It makes sense that. Well, you the know, more they're uh, – oh, shit. Sorry, I accidentally clicked on one because I was trying to look at something. Um, yeah, I think you know it's, it's an ever bigger pile of hay, and we're all just needles in that stack. Yeah, I mean in terms of uh, – there's, there's been less views on my channel. By the way, if you hear a lot of loud noises, they're, they're redoing my backyard. So, oh, okay. that's, that's, so that's like so – you're hearing buzz saws and things. I'm not sure how much you're hearing that uh, out there. I can kind of hear. Are they throwing rocks around? They're not throwing rocks; they're cutting them. So they've advanced in the technology. They're into the steel age now. Oh, not, I, just, I, I, not just the stone age. <laughs> I cut a rock yesterday. Oh, you did cut a rock. <laughs> well, I, I, I ghetto cut it. So I was like, "How can I cut this um, with the tools I have here?" Because most of my stuff is still at my shop. But I did have my angle grinder here, so I cut a groove on the because it was like a flat stone. I cut a groove on the top and then mm-hmm. a groove on the bottom with a magic marker mark, and then I took the blunt end of my axe and it was like. Kunk, kunk, it was very satisfying. Man, you're you're just heralding back to the your Viking ancestral days there. Well, there one, you go. One of, my, one of my one of my first jobs when I was a teenager was I helped with my stepdad's construction company. So I, I know how to like nails and saws and I know all that stuff. My my dad knew how to my grandfather was a genius with his hands. He could build uh-huh. anything. My father had some of that and then my father passed down almost none of that to me. 
So when I would go out to the, like the shed and help my dad try to drill something, right? He would try. He would like give me the drill. Like seven year old little Pat would have the drill in his hand, try to drill it. Then he'd like be frustrated and pay. Yeah, oh, give me that. Let me do it. Yeah. And so he <laughs> never let me learn by screwing up or correcting that's me. That's exactly how it works. And then you know what's funny? Then you flash forward to the present and you're trying to show your parents how to use a computer, and they they don't understand anything and they get really frustrated and it feels like we've come all the way back around i just think it's interesting that i don't know in two generations it's lost my grandfather was like inventor level with his hands and i'm like i can maybe put up shelves if i have a stud finder like that's what i that's the extent of my knowledge that's what i can do it's not it's not biological hereditary it's um you know what you pass down so you know whatever but speaking of speaking of your parents getting oral, older oral and teach, history, sure. But speaking of your parents getting older and transferring around tech, I I think it's very interesting how at least with my father, it almost seems like my father is uh was he my father's gonna be my father's gonna be seventy this year. Damn. And thanks, yeah, he's old. So, but <laughs> I was actually this, my dad. God, my dad would have been seventy five. This is a but this is a guy. That bought us an IBM XT in '85. That knew how to use DOS and BASIC. You know, he was pretty good with technology. It was always try- on the forefront with that. Even mm. going into the '90s, you know, we put in our own Sound Blaster car. We got that Sound Blaster 16 kit with the Sound Blaster car and the CD-ROM drive. You know, he helped expand memory and DOS to play certain DOS games. Like he was pretty good with that stuff. He worked with computers at his work with like spreadsheets and things. And now he acts like he never touched a computer in his life. When I try to explain like newer things to him, we'll be like, "Oh, buy a Wi-Fi extender that costs forty bucks. You plug him into your wall. You click that WPS button. It syncs up with your router." He's looking at me like I'm a freaking alien. And I, I I just don't understand how how That's easily I, I guess what technology technology changes so quickly as we know but I, I don't know I guess if you don't want to keep up with it you get lazy and all of a sudden you act like you don't know what the hell's going on no that that does sound weird because usually people they, they're either you know consistently stubborn about it always or they keep they keep up with it because yeah that, sure. that is kind of weird like I, I mean I know a lot of old people that are like what I would call like aggressively stubborn about electronics oh yeah like, they're like they're like they're like the guy at the end of the bar saying computers. Cell <laughs> yeah, phones. To, uh. I don't even know how to turn on a computer. <laughs> I make nine dollars an hour. You know that guy. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. I, I wish my parents would have cared more about computers, but oh well. But then he just stopped caring. Huh? Maybe was it when know. he was it when he retired? He's like, I don't care. I'm not going to keep up anymore. I don't know. I, I think it's a discipline like anything else, technology. You just have to be aware of things. You have to make sure. Like, even like Frank, who's on my channel, Frank, who goes to the flea market with me, even he finally got a smartphone and realized the benefits of having a smartphone and being right. able, to, being able to, to, to text people. And as he likes to call it, the Uber that he likes to use. The you know, Uber. things like the oh, Uber. I have, uh, I have a uh, bill here on my desk. It's in an envelope. So I still do envelopes for most of my bills, actually. So you're one of those so, people, okay? You, you, well, see, write, everyone's everyone's got their thing. <laughs> I, I write about until until Castle Country and writing checks for various contractors. I was maybe writing one or two checks a year. You know, it, it took me it took me almost twenty years to go through my first you know first checkbook, my first allotment of checks. It took me like nineteen years to go through them to write yeah. like a hundred checks. Wow, yeah, that that's pretty insane. I don't know for some reason I like I like to. F- See and feel the money going out the door. I, it's it's def, I'm just saying everyone has their Luddite thing, and that's mine. 
Are you one of those people that still don't trust the internet for managing money and it's a, you know you don't want to go on eBay because they can steal your money? You one of those types, or you're, you're just no. for, just for just for paying bills? Because I still although, hear people like that. If you buy something from like Alibaba or something, you should use PayPal, not <laughs> anything else. Because if, if like you, if you try to put your credit card into Alibaba, it's not even that they'll try to steal it, but your credit card company will freak out. Or they'll be like, "What are you company. doing?" <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, I don't know. I just. But and then you know it's weird because then you of course you know the postal service is mostly junk mail now. So I'll you know every so often I'll be like oh shit I missed a bill because I threw it out along with the pizza coupons. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I was uh, I was get the uh, the buy one get one magazines I get like two a month and I'm like oh this is interesting. But you're right I I, I you know it's funny I actually still get the uh, uh, there's a there's a, a someone who used to live here had a business and I still get their their bills from the state. Really? Which is interesting. They, they they owe some back employment taxes. That's all. <laughs> hey. So they, so they they cut and ran. <laughs> I think yeah. I think they they're on the run or, or something's going on there. Oh, I just think it, I just thought it was funny. I'm like wow. When I first got it, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize what what it was, and I I started my own. LLC. I first looked. I was like, "What the hell oh, is so this?" You, freak, you freaked out. It was a semi freak out. But then I was like, "Wait a minute, this is too soon to get a bill like this." And then I looked. I was like, "Oh, this is another LLC or another business." Like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I got. I got one here. It's uh, must be a previous tenant. Uh, oh no, parent, a guardian of someone. Oh no, what happened to their kid? Who knows? So, <laughs> so eight years doing these shows, uh, just about weekly. We're talking like how many shows? Hundreds of shows. The first. Two years, two and a half years, we did it bi-weekly. Okay. But then Revision 3, remember them? Uh, yep. They, they were like, you know what? I think you'll do a lot better if you do one every week. And then so we figured was, you know, we would basically just kind of cut the episodes in half. So instead of like doing one project in two weeks, we would just have a two-parter of one project. Sure. And uh, yeah, that did that did boost viewership. So we, prob- we probably climaxed in uh, inappropriate word use on purpose, probably in like, I don't know, 2004. 14, 15, and then, like we were saying, it kind of has plateaued since then. So, oh well. So, so your channel growth, you've seen Element 14 channel growth, it's been stagnant. Have views gone up and down or lessened the past year? Uh, over the last year where, where we decided that, where I decided, like, hey, well, we want to do, like, some longer-term projects, um, that definitely hurt our viewership. Then the last six months, we've been, you know, like, basically to finish things off, we've been just doing other cool projects or, like, basically going back to just, like, a you know, a new project every two weeks. That definitely kind of boosted the viewership back up, but it's not really where it was before. And I think that's kind of everyone's having that problem because there's so much stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, you're talking exponential growth of channels and videos. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I can't even try to quantify how many videos are uploaded now versus even like three, four years ago. It's probably like 10 times the amount. You know, who knows? I mean, I everyone watch- has. Yeah, I was watching Westworld, the new season, and the guy's like, I'm going to upload all the data from Westworld. And it's like 1.4 exabytes. And I'm like, oh, come on. In like 50 years from now, an exabyte's going to be in, in your. In your uh, it's going to be like in a pill in your in your stomach. That's nothing. So, but, sure. but right now, I th- yeah, I think uh, what did they say? Like, even a few years ago, I think YouTube had like an exabyte of data on it. It's a lot. I think it's like a, a lifetime of footage is uploaded like every hour or something. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's a lifetime now. Oh it's man, a, it's a lot. Yeah, but then it, I, yeah, I think it's just harder and harder to um, for people to find stuff. I don't. I don't think it's really about eagle. Al- yeah, eagle evil algorithms so much as it is. There's just so much stuff on there. Well, the algorithms have changed. I mean, be, because when I look at and other people have cited this, like three about three months ago, all of a sudden uh, views just started dropping, and not necessarily on the newer videos, on the older stuff. 
So a lot of my older videos no longer getting the views. Like I, the way oh, I know the, that the, the evergreen ones. Yeah, the ones that like uh, the state of retro game collecting. If you search for retro game collecting, it probably comes up. You know there. So that's right. an earlier video we did that within the first year or two of the podcast. And the way I, I tell is just that I have to calc- I give you know Ian gets a, gets a portion of the revenue. So I have all the podcast videos divided up into playlists. Playlists only have two hundred videos per on. They're capped on YouTube for whatever reason. So hmm. I know that that first playlist is their earliest videos the revenue from those like first couple of playlists the first 400 say podcast segments are way down versus what they used to be so they're not getting shown to people anymore they're not they're not getting recommended they're not getting uh played and that's kind of strange but then you know from youtube's perspective they probably want they want you know the, the same thing with 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 advertising on tv and radio current new content is worth more to advertisers than old content for whatever yeah. reason the, the people that they want you want your ass seen in front of new content. Well, I mean, yeah, the people who do really well on YouTube are the ones who um, wake up every day and read back news stories into a webcam because there's always new content every day. There's mm-hmm. something new, and I, you know, I watch I watch channels like that. I mean, I'll make fun of them, but I'll watch them. But I think um, well, you're talking about like uh, classic game room, how uh, people who that try to do like long form, uh, higher quality content kind of just are like. Piecing out, like I think the best example I was on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, looking at mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, Angry Video Game Nerd is on there now. Uh, yeah, that's uh, well, I don't want to say I'm responsible for that, but <laughs> after video game years went on there, uh, people got whiff of that, and that that was doing well on there because that's a long form show. The C- the CPM is a lot better. It was excellent. So the CP, not exactly. A C- it's hard to calculate the CPM because it's based upon how long you watch the content for on Prime. So for every hour of your content watch, you used to earn 14 cents for every hour, which okay. is like 10 times the amount of what it would be on YouTube. Like, that's an insane amount. So if one person so if one person watched an episode of Video Game Meters, which is an hour, that's 14 cents. That right. is nuts. They, they changed it a few months ago. I think they, it was March. They changed it to start, I think, at 6 cents. Until you reach a certain threshold, then it shoots up to like twelve cents, and then when you hit a certain amount, it comes back down again. I guess to protect themselves from a runaway hit and or, and to sort of I get uh, graduate out the revenue to all different programs equally, you know. Mm. So it could, it could also be the Walmart thing where they come to your town, destroy all the stores, and then jack up their prices. Well, it's all yeah. Well, and Amazon's sort of been doing that. I mean, they've already lessened the reins on their. On their pre-order program, where it was twenty percent off, now it's like, well, it's not really twenty percent off of most of the stuff anymore. I think if, now- Am- if Amazon really wanted, I think they could really pose a threat to YouTube. They really haven't tried yet. I think they've well, they they bought Twitch, so that's good enough for them. And Twitch is superseding YouTube in terms of uh, cultural relevance more quickly than we realize. Yeah, and in, and in terms of capturing the younger demographic, it's Twitch, not YouTube. Kids are going on Twitch when they get home from school. And watching yep. people play games and talk and chatting with each other. Well, and exactly. Like if YouTube, if YouTube is becoming, you know, ever since it's became more about how long your videos are, how long people watch, rather than the number of actual clicks or views, that's what made all these Let's Play channels really popular. So YouTube became really dependent, or the creators became really dependent on Let's Play. So if Twitch has the ability to take that away, that presents a massive liability to YouTube. Oh, absolutely, because now they're live and you can you can interact with people. 
Especially that's when you consider that Amazon has a vertical integration where if they really wanted to, you could push the game sales, digital downloads, physical media, all that could be tied intrinsically to Amazon.com and the Twitch user's account. They've already done that with, with, with the Twitch partners playing certain games and the link will appear and you can click on it and buy it on Amazon. Oh, they've been doing that. So they, they have it. sense. Yeah, I, I think Google, Google probably should have bought Twitch and let it operate independently separate you know they tried they tried to do the youtube gaming thing that fell flat in his face and it's never coming back uh now facebook has their own facebook gaming uh platform where they they are encouraging certain users it's in beta format uh, format still they're encouraging people to stream on there but i'm not sure if that's gonna ever take off i think twitch is just it because they had the lead they were first they had the name they had the infrastructure it's very stable i mean that's when we try to do both twitch and uh YouTube Gaming for the marathon. We tried to simulcast it a few years back. We tried it when YouTube Gaming first came out. We, we tried and Twitch. Yeah, at the same time, and um, it worked fine on the when we were testing it when no one was watching. It worked fine. Once there were actually people trying to watch it, the YouTube part was just crashing. So hmm. we just cut we cut that off and just went to Twitch and just stayed on Twitch for that uh, charity marathon. That was fine. So after that, and plus, you know, like I said, Twitch is better integrated since they have the chat room features better. I know YouTube's trying to catch up. I think it's too late with everything. Um, you know, Twitch has the partner program. They have all these things built in with the buying the little bits and things like that and, and, the, and the emojis that you can have custom in your room. It's, they were just really smart about it. And with Amazon, you know, backing them, there's, there's just no looking back. Yeah, uh, it, it's, uh, it's like that. When you set up a business model, you should probably make sure that you can't be broadsided like that. Uh, like uh, that that movie pass thing that's always in the news. That credit card movie thing that's just you know basically burning money. It's like all, all AMC or someone has to do is have their own version of that, and boom, movie pass is, is gone. It, it, it'll happen anyway. It's already a- going out of business. AMC has their version now. They just mm-hmm. started it. <laughs> I, mean, I think. I mean, I think that's good. Like with the movie theater, there needed to be a disruption because they were getting too expensive. Uh, but the thing is, that company's not going to be able to survive, although they may have given other people the idea. Uh, so, yeah, like you were saying with Twitch, like Amazon has so many more avenues of monetization than YouTube does. It makes sense for people to go that way. I've actually – I mean I've watched Twitch streams, but I've never I've never streamed or anything. I know I can do it with my PlayStation 4. is like built in, but I've never bothered to try. Sure, but that's really it. Now, and now Twitch is adding – I think it's still in beta for partners. By the way, I'm partnered. I just never use the channel because I haven't time, but I am starting soon. I keep saying that, but I am. I, I'm like six months behind my life plan because of moving into this house. It, it, was, it like disrupted everything. But anyway, no oh, more you just, you just moved but as well? I just moved, I moved to I moved in late December, but mm. it's finally coming together. Now, like I said, the, the, it's still getting worked on. The backyard and inside a few rooms have to get worked on. I still uh, un- unpack. The, the game room's like half done. I still have to put up some shelves behind me and unpack a lot of stuff. So I'm not there yet. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've moved before and I've had cardboard boxes that basically stay filled with junk the entire time I'm there until I move again. Well, that's you not know, my, never, my, my vintage PC. They never PC get unpacked. From- my vintage PC collection is in the garage, and I don't think most of that's ever going to get unpacked. All the software. I have so much software, so many old computer parts, and yeah. like Apple IIs and Commodores and Amiga that, that I'm never going to open those up. Those are all, sw- <laughs> those are all swap meet finds, though. I have, an, I have an IBM XT somewhere. I love to hook it up some, some time in order to simulate how I played games when I was five and six in, 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 in BASIC, in, uh, oh, in, yeah. in GW BASIC. <laughs> I I, uh, I want to take one of the bedrooms here and make it into like an eight bit room, like the guest bedroom. I need to find like a CRT or maybe if I'm lucky, like a Sony PVM. Then I can oh, nice. hook my old consoles up to it. I haven't 
Haven't found us. I'd love to. I saw a Sony PVM at a, at a show once, and I think it was like had a crack on it, and it wasn't actually too expensive. But oh well, I think I flew to the show like it was like Portland or something, and it wouldn't fit in the overhead bin. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think I have a Sony PVM in the garage. I'm pretty oh. sure. Oh, wait, I'm pretty sure. Wait, wait. I, did I give that to someone? I might have given it to someone you to use. Gave I don't know. it to someone. I don't know. Oh man, Ben, I've I've been, I have a, I have a sharp NES TV. I haven't turned on. So I mean, come on. All right, all I, right. I have too much too much crap here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I, I try I try not to buy too much crap, but sometimes I think I bought like a Tandy color computer a couple of weeks ago to a garage sale. I don't know why. I'm like, oh, there might be some chips in there. So, but yeah, YouTube. Uh, I don't know. I guess you know, even though you know, I you know, I had a sponsored channel. You know, I could still, you know, it just didn't really feel, feel super important anymore. And then for me. I know a lot of people talk about like the YouTube treadmill or the Twitch treadmill, and uh, I, I I would feel the same for me. So for me, you know, I didn't actually do the editing or anything; someone else did. But we were still always building projects. And sure, you're talking about how many episodes? Um, once we went, you know, once a week, which was 2012 or 13, we released 52 episodes a year. So we would like double them up for the holidays or to take a break or vacation. So sure. Yeah, it was pretty nuts, and definitely my blood pressure went up, and I gained weight, and I'm like, ugh. So you're just you're just done with that grind. I mean, it is Twitch is a grind. I know I I have someone uh, close to me that does it as a job, and it's a grind, mm-hmm. and, and it's like the subscribers go up and down, and followers go up and down, and, and the stress goes up and down. And if you, if you get sick or you don't you don't stream for a week, you lose your subscribers, which is your direct revenue, and you know it's it's just it just sounds like it's is it that much better than working in a cubicle somewhere? Uh, you know, friend, is, is, the thing is, any any you, who said that if you work a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life, Plato or someone. I think that's bull crap. You can get sick of anything eventually. Like if oh sure. If your job was to have sex all day, you'd get sick of it. I'm sure hookers do. Um, but yeah, a friend of mine uh, was talking about that, and he's like, he was talking about playing some game. He's like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to stream it. I just want to, I just want to sit in my living room and play the game and not have anyone watching it. And I'm like. Isn't isn't that a crazy concept that you would even think that way? You know, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be relaxation. Yeah. Well, so you play on Twitch. You're, Twitch. You're doing a uh, you're doing a performance piece. Yeah. It's, you're you're yeah. not just playing the game for fun. Now you have to look at the chat. You have to be entertaining. You have to interact. You have to talk to people because you're performing for them. Right. And that's something that I think eventually people will get sick of because you're putting on an act. And yes, this is an act right now. But this is this is at least more natural talking to someone and doing a podcast versus right. Playing a game and trying to be funny and trying to be entertaining, you can see that forced sometimes, and it's uncomfortable. But like anything else, the same thing like having a YouTube show. Sometimes it's forced, and you have to do it week after week. You know, my friend Gerard, completionist, he does that show every week for like six, seven years. It's insane um, how he's kept up with it. I mean, and he's definitely been burnt out from that before. Uh, uh, but but the, but the audience expects the show. Like that's why they're there every single week. That's how he maintains and builds an audience. Yeah. But at some point, but at some sword. point, something has to give. You know, for for a bunch of YouTubers, I think we, there's been articles about that about the you know the the uh, the middle class of YouTube. How that's like the most awful place to be because it's like, well, you you still struggle to get bigger. You're making enough money to live off it. But you're you're stuck there. You're sort of stuck in this this uh, this middle class that's not moving anywhere. And right. that's, a, that's a lot of YouTubers are feeling that now. Uh, a few of my friends, uh, fortunately, I've branched off with with a couple podcasts. I have a book. I have other projects. So I don't. I'm not feeling that sting as much. I've never made a majority of my living off of YouTube, for better or for worse. So 
I, I guess I'm fortunate, probably you are as well, that we don't have to worry about that as much. But it's still it's still a, a shame. I mean, you helped build the channel with 600,000 subscribers, and it'd be a shame for that channel not to be able to exist the same way it was before just because an algorithm changes or just because people move on and get sick of the same content they've seen year after year or for whatever reason. It's delicate entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- one thing I noticed with my show that uh, would get annoying is, you know, we were always building stuff. So uh, we would, sometimes we would kind of argue with, like, the people filming it. And I was like, well, what if you were getting your car fixed and you kept sticking the camera underneath the car and asking the guy if it was done yet? And you'd be punched in the face in about 30 minutes. And I'm like, sometimes that's how myself or Felix feels. It's like we just, you know, we just want to – because, you know, we are we, – we're not just taking something apart and pointing at things or pointing at things in a movie. We're actually building things. And it's like – we feel stressed out because it's like we feel like we're or felt like we were at odds with the production itself, you know? Is that because so. the, produ- the producers wanted a certain look for the show and certain shots they wanted to achieve and it got in the way of you actually doing your work? Actually, it did physically get in the way. And then that's one thing we did like with the final season where we actually went around the shop um, bolting. Uh, we made like pipe brackets that could bolt to the ceiling and then like swing arms. So you could like put a camera up there and swing it down. But then when it wasn't in use, you could swing it up because – you know, if you're building something, like imagine if you went into like an auto shop or a welding shop and you put a bunch of tripods everywhere, right? And, <laughs> but that, tri- that's kind tripping of tripping over them. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of having that problem, and like the overhead cameras sped things up a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, but then you have these reality shows where they're, they're filming a bunch of guys building motorcycles, and but of course they also have like an army of people making those shows versus like people on YouTube. Like even like what, what do we have? Four people, which is fairly large for YouTube. That's still nothing compared to, like, Discovery. And then to say nothing for another army of people that edit all the footage. It's a lot easier to film when you can just film everything. But then you have, you know, 30 people in the room doing the editing, so they have the time to go through all that footage. Where, as again, we have one editor. So there's some testy outtakes from the Ben Hex show that will come out eventually. Like, you're yelling like Christian Bale. People do. <laughs> um, I, don't think I, I don't think I've ever yelled on camera. But I've definitely, I've definitely said very off-color things that will probably come back to haunt me if I ever like run for president or something. <laughs> or I guess that's that's all the range on Twitter now, right? With, oh, uh, or does he decide decide to to direct a couple of MCU films and get fired yeah, for tweets yeah. that are ten years old? Well, I think yeah, I'm trying to think like because the thing is, it, it's I think well, it's very much like it making a movie where you're most of the time you're trying to make it work, you're trying to get it ready and. Only like 10% of it is actually filming, right? So the rest of the time you're just like sitting there or like, you know, Felix and I would be waiting. We'll be ready to build something, ready to rivet something together, ready to solder together. And then we're having to wait for the cameras. Uh, Anthony uh, Hopkins once said, I act for free. They pay me to wait around. And that's very much how it feels like. Because again, imagine if your mechanic was trying to like, oh, no, you can't. You can't put that radiator in until the camera gets the right light. Right. And that's sure. That's kind of how felt because if you think about it, Felix and I are kind of like blue collar electronics people just putting stuff together, you know, and then we're at the mercy of the filming. So that was always kind of like the great battle that we had. Anyway, so yeah, we'll be sitting there trying to get the camera set up, waiting for something to boot, waiting for something to heat up, and then we'll, you know, be telling, you know, awful stories and, and coming up with stuff or, or thinking of like new movies. Like we thought of, a, we thought of a, the best idea for a Black Mirror episode the other day. It's about like this old lady. And she's decrepit, and her kids don't want to take care of her anymore, so they get her, like, an automated house, like evil Alexa, and then it starts to turn on her. <laughs> and the twist at the end is that it's actually a hacker trying to steal her information, uh. but she thinks it's, like, a ghost or a robot or an evil AI. 
So I just I, I just got an Alexa. It was, it was Prime Day. I bought the Alexa and the Dot because they were like a hundred bucks only. And I'm going to use them at some point. I'm guessing. Oh, it feels so- like you almost ha- have to have this technology as it gets newer. You feel weird not having it. I think uh, it's. A- yeah, I got I got an Alexa last year on Prime Day, and I ha- have it in my shop. And then I actually have another one here at home. And she is a sneaky bastard. She can hear you across the whole house. Like, even, <laughs> like if I say Alexa, yeah, she she heard me. And even though she's like three rooms away, uh, they're pretty fun. Like one thing you can do, um, you can get those uh, ESP eighty two sixty six microcontrollers, which are like these really cheap Wi Fi microcontrollers from China, and you can actually turn them into Alexa devices. So basically, you can make a project like you would an Arduino project, and it could be Alexa activated. So that's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, I want to make like an automatic, automatic garbage can for my kitchen. So I can, <laughs> Alexa, open the garbage can. <laughs> pretty much. And then it would open up out of the one of the cabinets and then go back in. Like if your hands were dirty or if you don't want to go over to the main basket. Cause, so that's one of the things I want to work on. Man, how did we live 100 years ago as humans? <laughs> you, can, you can ask her to do math. Uh, you can ask her to... Uh, <laughs> ask you to do math? Just yeah. calculator just sitting there. No, oh, there's, there's been times I'll be like measuring something or under something, then I'll ask her to calculate the circumference of something, and she'll do it. You know, oh. like you'll be like, "What is seven times pi divided by three sixty or whatever?" And she'll tell you the answer. It's pretty cool. Oh, she's good with order of operations. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Alexa, um, so we were talking about um, the video game nerd. So the big challenge to going on Amazon Prime Video is that everything has to be closed captioned, as I'm sure you yes. Know. And then obviously that is a huge barrier for entry. Like when I started really thinking that it must be getting bad with YouTube was um, James. Uh, he put all of his episodes on Amazon Prime, which meant he close had to close caption everything he ever did. Well, he didn't do it. James doesn't. James just doesn't really do the actual like internet. Oh, so he's stuff. got he's got minions like me now. I don't want to call it millions, but he's a part of Screenwave Media, so they no, do no, that work minions. for him. Yes. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. But like, they do that work, so they probably just came to him and said, "Hey, James, we're going to put these on Amazon Prime. You cool with it? Okay." And that's basically how that probably went. And they so then they paid for the captions, but it's only a dollar a minute. And if you have a big audience, I mean, that's nothing. You know, a dollar right. a minute. I mean, that's it's really not that bad. We we put up the money for video game years. We made that back in the first you know couple of days. Okay, the reason but, I know, brought that up is you know, I feel that Alexa probably has the best voice recognition of the things you know, Cortana, Google. Siri, like, what if they could use that technology for like really fast, automated, good captions for videos as a way to bring more people over to the Amazon platform? Oh, I didn't think about that. I know, I know that YouTube has the, the built-in closed captions on, I think, certain videos. Now, when you upload something, I think it automatically does closed captions for if it's up to a certain time length, it automatically does it. But yeah, you can pay someone to do it either way if you ever if you ever, ever want to get into it. It's a, it's at well, most again, like a, d- a dollar a minute. A smaller channel, like anything they have to pay is you know money they're not collecting. So sure, but it's also got the show has to be also be approved by Amazon. It's not that you can, anyone just upload whatever they have to actually a human has to approve the show. Ah, it's, I see. It's not. It's there's a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's not just like okay. I'm sure there's some machine algorithms to that. To help with that, but I mean, there's a more, much more limited amount of shows on Amazon Prime that are, I would say, more longer form, higher quality than Let's Play. You're not going to see less videos and vlogs ever on Amazon Prime. That's not something they want to muddy their waters with. Amazon Prime's a totally different, I would say, uh, higher enculturated, higher earning, older audience than YouTube in general. Yes, so I don't I've think there's going to be certain stuff. Well, you know, basically, the fact that you got to pay 120 bucks a year. 
you know, as a barrier versus free, well, that's a certain type of person well, versus I, a 13-year-old. Thir- there's like, no 10-year-olds on Amazon Prime, literally, well, like, instead ex- of a credit card. Exactly. I mean, that, I was just going to say that, like, YouTube has so many kids on it. And if you're not playing Five Nights at Freddy's, they don't care what, about your content. Well, even that's old hat at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's all Fortnite, baby. Woo! Well, I think, you know, what helps, it's kind of weird. Like, if you go back to, like, the old, um, you know, network TV standard... Um, it's like there can only be so much content on. There's like you know four four channels or three channels, and so many hours in the week, right? So there's only gonna be so many shows on. Now with the internet, you can basically have an infinite amount of shows, right? And I think that's the problem Netflix is having. Well, I know most people think Netflix is amazing. I think they're in for some rocky waters personally. But um, is they have you know used to be like oh they've got. House of Cards. That's a show they made, and it's high quality. Oh, now there's another show they made. Okay. And now they release like 100 shows a week or something ridiculous like that? Now, yeah. I mean, South Park may fun about rubber stamping any new show that comes along. And I think that's it's, – it's for two reasons. One, it's a lot cheaper to get a lot of these shows now. Oh, we'll just give you – you know, just we'll put on, on Netflix. We'll pay you this amount of money. And, and for acquisition costs, it's a lot cheaper than making your own show. It's a lot cheaper than making making uh, oranges of new black versus just buying some some shows. But I think they, they realize that the draw is becoming lesser and lesser, especially since because there's now there's, there's so much stuff on there. How do, how, that, do you, uh, how do you know it's good? Well, sure, but there's also more and more rivals coming. Like Disney's has theirs right. that's coming, um, and then you have HBO, Showtime has theirs. The, you have Warner Brothers doing theirs uh, coming out. So there's going to be it's soon going to be more expensive than. When we first envisioned, you know, a la carte cable. Well, that's the it's evil. soon going to be more. It's, it's going to be more expensive just buying all these individual yes uh, streaming e- services for ten dollars each. That's the evil plan. It's like they know <laughs> everyone's going to cut their cord, so they have to divvy up the contents. So you're paying just as much or almost as much as you used to. I mean, yeah. there's always that's always the plan. That's that's just how things work. But but, but this I, goes directly to the pocket of the of the of the studios, though. Versus, all, all, I would rather pay them than awful cable companies any day of the week. Right, absolutely. With cable. Um, well, what a lot of people seem to forget um, is that Disney owns a big chunk of what's on cable, and they're like, "Oh, you don't want to take Disney HD or XD, huh? Well, I guess you're not going to get ESPN. Oh, you will take Disney XD or whatever new channel they want to push." So, on ABC, yeah, yeah ABC, or uh, what was it like? They couldn't, they can't take Fox TV if they buy Fox because they legally can't own two network stations. I mean, it's pretty huge. So, I mean. But yes, of course they're they're, they're going to try to push that that stuff over. So you know, it's, it's almost like all like the 500 channels of shit we had on cable, like 50 pawn shows, 50 ghost shows. That's kind of all moving over to YouTube, where you've got so many shows or Netflix. You've got so many shows you don't know which one to watch. Like I never watch Netflix anymore. I, sometimes I'll turn it on and then I'll I'll pan through it and I'm like, you know, half the shows are net, Netflix spends more making shows than entire studios gross. It's insane. Well, they're going to have to find they're going to have to find that sort of balance between obviously uh, getting new subscribers, keeping them, and then you know shedding some of these acquisition costs at the same time. I think at this point they're still worried about growing as much as they can before the tidal wave comes. Of Disney is going to take a chunk out of their hide, and Warner Brothers and one or two others are going to come along and do that. Oh, Disney Warner, though, once, 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 are you talking about the Warner DC thing or yeah, Warner Films? Yes. Well, it's Warner Brothers. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, but Disney's going to be the one because Disney's going to own like half of the old movie, you know, back library. If, if Disney obtains Fox, they will own about 40% oh. of Hollywood. Yeah. So. It, oh, it's going, it's going through. I mean, Comcast pulled out. It's going to happen. So, I mean, uh, just a matter of when. 
So, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, Wall Street just loves to stroke Netflix. And it's like, you guys do realize you, Disney is is leaving that next year, right? It's just, but no, but yeah. I guess my point is I see all these shows and it's like, I don't even know what to watch, you know? Um, I think the last one I watched was Altered Carbon and Stranger Things because, you know, Stranger Things was obviously, you know, a phenomenon. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just... I, I think the same thing happens with YouTube. There's just so much content on there, like exabytes of data. It's like, what do you watch? So, and the more stuff there is, the more it's diluted. And if you're like a really big channel, obviously stick around. But it's it's like it's like, what do they say? Like uh, forest fires, the Smoky Bear effect. Mm-hmm. They s- prevented more forest fires. That's probably a touchy subject since you live in California. But they they stopped more forest fires. But what happened was. With the uh, with large trees not being burned down every so often, the little trees could never grow because they would never get sunlight. And that's kind of happening right now. Like So these little channels can never grow because there's so much other stuff out there that overshadows them, like literally overshadows them in the forest. Uh, are you are you encouraging me to, to 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 start a couple of forest fires? Is that what's going on? I don't here? think California okay. needs any more forest fires. No, last no. year was bad. Yeah, we have we have enough weird shit going on with climate change and really dry seasons and. I mean, it was really humid here last week, and I was like, "Wow, I'm in San Diego." Didn't feel like it last week. I've never so been we're to okay San Diego. There. Usually, San Diego is beautiful and nice, but it's oh, been a little was, unseasonably was it, warm. Was, was it all the uh, all the nerds? They they come in for Comic Con, right? Maybe, right? Yes, all us nerds, <laughs> all 150,000 of us nerds, all converged in one place this past weekend at Comic Con. Is that that was my that was my eleventh Comic Con? I want to talk about that how. This Comic-Con felt more muted than previous years. There was only three big announcements that came out of Comic-Con. Three trailers, Shazam, Aquaman that everyone knew about that was coming, right. and the new Godzilla movie. That was it. Uh, these, uh, uh, Marvel didn't have its panel, no announcements, no Star Wars panel, nothing like that. Uh, it's well, Disney does their own thing anyway. Their D twenty three whatever convention yeah. mm-hmm. that you know. Eventually, they can have their own comic cons. This is going to own, like you say, like four, they're going to own everything: Simpsons <laughs> and and Aliens and Predator uh, uh, franchise and Star Wars and everything. Everything but Spider Man. You know what? I have. really think they're after. I really think they're after um, how much money Avatar will make in China because Star Wars apparently. Well. China's not nostalgic for Star Wars, but Avatar will make the sequels. They're going to make bank over there, and I think that's a big. They'll I, make billions. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think Disney's thinking about that. I, everyone talks well, about it's like, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I'm, I like creative stuff, and I. I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's good when companies merge, but I don't know. That's getting kind of big. It's too, it's too scary for you. Well, it's also obviously they want all the the all the X Men characters back. They want the Fantastic Four characters. Right. Uh, I'm I'm selfish. I want a proper Fantastic Four movie before I die. So I, <laughs> that's worth that's that's worth the monopoly for me. Uh, but but it's also the distribution rights. To the original Star Wars movie were owned by Fox. Always were owned by Fox. Yes. The f- so those finally go back to Disney slash Lucas. Right. You know, after all this time, well, so that's interesting not, too. I, I don't, I don't necessarily like it when people assume that it's theirs that they took from it. Like Fox made a New Hope, and all the sequels sure. were owned by George Lucas because they gave him the toy rights and he used that to self finance the sequels. And Marvel was broke in the '90s. That's why they were selling off all their film rights in perpetuity. Sure. So I mean, yeah, eventually, yeah, if they can get it back, that that great for them. But I don't know. Um, I think about it like when we do when we do our pinball licensing and stuff, or when we when we try to. It's the fewer studios there are, um, the harder it's going to be to get stuff. And it's just, 
and Disney is not always the easiest studio to, to work with. <clears throat> no, I'm going to have Mickey Mouse come to what? my door and break my kneecaps. Yeah, just like in South Park. He's yeah. Have a chainsaw. <laughs> well, I, well, I think it's interesting about this. You know, we, we can talk about your work at, at Spooky Pinball, how the past few years you now have a handful of uh, uh, pinball companies that sort of sprung up. Quite a few, and the cost of licensing is going through the roof. It's like if you're a hot employee and three companies want to hire you, uh, your wages keeps going up until the other two drop out. Or, really? No, you know, like when people headhunt you, you know? Headhunting between like the, the three the three main pinball companies? That- <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just talking about in general. Like, right? If you, oh, got, if you general. got two okay. companies trying to hire you, basically they have a bidding war and then whichever company stops offering you more money, you go to the other one. So so you have you have all these companies going for the same license exactly, to make it. Okay. Exactly. And it's – even in the time I've been doing pinball stuff, it's gotten pretty pretty bad because you have – you have Stern, JJP, Chicago Gaming, Spooky. Uh, there's a new company called Deep Root. There's a company called American Pinball. There's, Deep Root, huh? Uh, yeah, it's a lawyer guy who started a company. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a lot of investment. He's, he's actually putting money into it. So I think he would, despite even notwithstanding the companies that like failed and took everyone's money, you probably got at least that- six active companies right now. Dutch Pinball with, with Big Lebowski. Dutch Pinball is done. Uh, that's it? They did the one, that's it? Well, No, they didn't even finish that. They built about 50 of them and ran out of money. Are you serious? That they're yeah. not shipping the rest of them? Oh, yeah. It's this big controversy. There's like 40 sitting in a warehouse at their contract manufacturer in Holland. Yeah, it's done. What happened? They ran out what of, happened to all, they ran out what of happened money. What happened to all that money? They spent it all. It's cost... If, if, if you're like, oh, you know... We're going to sell a game for $8,000, and our profit is $2,000. If you don't amortize the development cost into your profit of the final product, then you run out of money. It's quite simple. Or if you don't have a bunch of investment like this Deep Root guy does that I just mentioned. So you can no longer buy a big Lebowski pinball machine, and none of, no more are being made. Uh, just, there's the like moment, 50 no, of them, you're saying. They're being resold for like twenty grand now because for the time being, people assume they're, they're done. Wow! So, are there, so they, they don't have the money to even give the people back their. their no, you their can't. Games. You can't get a refund. The money. I, I'm just assuming, but I mean that's usually how it goes. Is they? Um, yeah, actually, they they had a like a even like the first year they were selling stuff. One of their guys, because they're they're in Holland, but one of the guys was American, and he started refunding everyone's money out of the blue one day. So people wonder if he knew something that everyone didn't. You know, like if it wasn't like viable and then we sold a lot of my game that week because everyone just took the refund and bought my game and they, those people they got a game uh yeah so they're they're gonna make about 250 of those big lebowski games and they shipped about 50 and then there's 40 sitting in a warehouse but the thing is it's a classic thing like failing business 101 if you're running out of money and your vendor will no longer give you free shit because you won't pay your invoices you find a new vendor so they're going to china to try to find somebody else but i don't know it sounds like maybe those games might get released maybe another 90 well, but it's i'm glad you're not i'm glad you're not pre-order that i'd be pissed off i put what is it after the shipping it was like ten thousand eh, dollars for that probably thing about nine well you would have had about a 20 percent chance of getting a game 20 <laughs> percent. well let's put it this way since i have an audience and a voice that might that I, I probably should have would have got mine before someone else unfortunately because i would have freaking said something <laughs> You know, for, for that amount of money. They, they, it would have been in their best interest to get me a machine. Yeah. split. Actually, um, but, um, like we did a – well, I, I'm no longer helping with it, but the, la- the latest spooky game was Al Scooper. And the very first one went to like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they'll even if spooky were to explode tomorrow, they'll have it. So 
That's usually how it Good. works. They, you know, people like while well, you're just saying like people who are like are big into pinball or like celebrities, they usually get it first. Like, yeah, it's pretty typical. Well, I'm just saying I would have paid for it, and if I didn't get it, I would have yelled about it and have a loud voice. If I spent nine grand, yeah, on there's it. been like at least yeah. three major, three no, three or four major pinball companies that started up, took a couple million, and went our bye bye. It's amazing. Was that, uh, what's that one? The, like that alien pinball one? Was that alien one of them? went away? Uh, they shipped. They, I think they might have shipped about 180 of those. So those exist. Those are out there. Yeah, there's there's one here in Madison, but still they they went away before they they got everyone's games out the door. So that went away. Dutch pinball. They're still giving updates, but they're probably done. Uh, there's the magic girl one that died. Uh, magic girl. I mean, I don't know John anything Papadou about this game. He did like theater of magic and, uh, tales of Arabian nights. Ooh, I like, what was the like other one? Uh, Oh, then there, then there's this redneck guy from Michigan who made a predator game, but it turned <laughs> out he didn't have the license. That's the one. Yes. I thought the alien wasn't licensed. It was a predator one that wasn't licensed. Yeah. How do you do that without a license? He did. He took it a bunch of shows and then, but then but here's the thing you're talking about, like early people. Um, then people were actually pissed. They're like, well, if you would have just let him make, cause but basically, I don't know, like some people in the in the hobby who had ties to like, because you know, there's people that you know work in Hollywood in the pinball industry, and they basically went to Fox and found out that he never had a license. He just lied, um, and then some people were like, "Well, if you would have just let them make the games, we'd have our games." And it's like, no, you wouldn't, because he would have run out of money before he finished everyone's games. But then, of course, the early adopters they don't care as long as they would have gotten their game. You they would have cared. They, yeah, they're like, okay, fine. I don't care about anybody else. I got my game, even if you know. He only built 50 and ran out of money before he could do the other 200. So uh, there's actually a pop- – I just clicked on this right now. I'm searching for it. The- there's a popular science article for the curious story of Magic Girl, the would-be greatest pinball machine of all time. Mm-hmm. As At 16000 it was the world's most expensive pinball machine. It was also the most fraught. Wow. This uh, You need to tell me about this. Uh, he's He's my go-to pinball source. I did not know that this was a thing going on. So- $16,000? Levitation chamber? What? That that, ar- oh that article that you're reading, that was um, – there's this pinball podcaster named Chris Coolis who goes, at, goes as Kanita online like from uh, Akira. And uh, so he bought a secondhand Magic Girl and then he's got a lot of uh, ties in like publishing and advertising. So I think he got uh, Popular Science to do that article. <laughs> so – Wow. Yeah. So so what happens here? And this is a guy that used to do pinball machines in this case. John Papadou? So just, yeah. Used oh, to, you he, said, he used to be a friend of mine until like he started scamming everybody. And I'm like, peace out, bitches. So what happens with these people? They figure we can we have the knowledge at least to put these machines together in theory, but they have no experience with the business side or with the production side it's and sourcing usually, the it's parts usually the production and the dev side. side. It's usually the production side because it's – it's not that hard to build a prototype pinball machine. What's uh-huh. really hard to build is, one or even yeah. three, like the big Lebowski, they took that when they showed up at expo in 2018 or I'm sorry, when they showed up at pinball expo in 2014 with their three prototypes of big Lebowski, they were the bell of the ball. I mean, every, sure. everyone was just like drooling over them. Gary Stern was looking at it with like a pissed look in his face. But those are prototypes. When it actually came time to manufacture, they got a contract manufacturer, which meant you know they basically paid someone else to manufacture it, and uh, that's basically where they lost control, and then it all went to seed. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really hard to. It's a big difference between making a prototype and manufacturing something, especially when you have sure. something like a pinball machine, and the margins aren't that great on it. I know when we were. 
oh, I don't remember who Rob Zombie's licensing company is, but uh, they, everyone assumes it's like a piece of junk lunch, lunchbox from China. Like, oh, you get like a you know eighty percent margin on this, right? And uh, they were wondering why they, you know we couldn't give them more money, and it's like no, the margin on the pinball machine is only like twenty percent or, or even not even that. So, but there, I'm just saying, like a lot of these you know licensors are so used to um, you know p- plastic lunch boxes with the Avengers logo stuck on the side, they don't realize just how expensive it is to make a pinball machine. Well, there's so many pieces you have to source, right? And then you have yep. to make sure that one of those, say you get a batch of a little piece here there, it doesn't fit. That money's out the window. You have to redo that and multiply, multiply that by hundreds of pieces. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> well, one thing Stern does is they like stockpile parts in case there's ever like a supply chain issue. Like, I don't oh, know which okay. game it was, which spooky game it was, but there was one where we were, we were running out of amplifiers and it was a real scramble. So when you're running out of the amplifiers, you basically, even if you can't get a good price on them anymore, you'll basically pay whatever someone in China wants to get more amplifiers. You know what I mean? Like you scramble. It's like going down to the to the uh, uh, you know convenience store to buy some expensive eggs because you absolutely have to have eggs. And sure. yeah, it's uh, it's tough. And then as I mentioned, um, the licenses. Um, there's more and more companies, but a finite number of licenses. So the licenses kind of keep going up in price. Also, uh, just in general. Um, also, all, all the pinball machines all have LCD screens now, which means you need the audio video or the video licenses. You have to pay extra for video clips. Like Big Lebowski had that problem. They thought just because they licensed the Big Lebowski movie that they'd have rights to the music in the movie. And no. Nope. Oh, no. That's not they, how that they works. Thought, I they mean, thought that. And that's one of the things that caused them to have cost overruns. They didn't. They didn't think about that beforehand. They didn't realize that the music of a of a movie they have to license that music separately. That's, wow. that's what I heard. Because then when the game comes, wow. then when the game comes out, it then it has the songs from the movie, but they're cover versions, which means it's a cheaper license. Because when you license a song, you have to pay the artist and the publisher. It's two separate licenses per song. But if you get a cover version, then basically you're just paying the publisher version, not the artist version. That's why you why maybe you'll experience it with your uh, with your Alexa or your Echo. Um, like even a lot of groups like Journey re-recorded a lot of their old music because they weren't getting dick for the publisher rights anymore. So they, actually, they can actually make more money by re-recording their old songs so they get their rights renewed and then they can redistribute those songs on a, on a platform. So. Oh wow! I didn't think about that. Yeah, if they're if they're putting up the money, they re-record. I mean, they own the they own the music rights, but not the recording. I guess exactly like you said. That's it, why it makes sense. You, you could you know uh, Kesha could could do a cover of a Paul McCartney song if she wanted because Paul McCartney, well, he, maybe he does, but the publisher owns the, what is it? The publisher owns the music and lyrics and the artist owns the performance. That's why pretty much anyone can cover anything, even though all they ever do is cover uh, mad world. It's the only song that ever gets covered, but uh, yeah. That's very interesting. You think that you're putting, you got this huge project, you do your homework or something like that, but I guess, you know, Sometimes people don't think think things through. So, getting all these license licenses, uh, these IPs for these pinball machines, are you guys in the industry doing that because you know it's a surefire hit? You've built an audience. Is it is it, is it oh, easier I, to think I'm about? Cr- is it easier? Is, your, is it like is it like the way they retread? Um, you know, they remake movies because it's easier to think of ideas that for a property that already exists. Is that part of it? Yeah. Uh, so everyone in the pinball hobby says they want original themes. They don't. They they all want licenses, as you mentioned. Um, I think it's yeah, it's definitely a shortcut um, because you're like, oh, do you like Tron? Well, here's a Tron pinball machine. Uh, what's the hot one? Uh, 
Like Stern is making a Munsters game. I mean, really? I know. Isn't that weird? It's definitely an old man hobby too. Like, isn't that like an ancient thing? But that's the early sixties. Yeah, yeah. But, but early mid sixties. Pinheads who are mostly like you know forties, fifty year old men. They are not in their shorts waiting for that. I don't know why. But yeah, this is weird. Uh, it, this is re- well, actually, something else though. Something else I've noticed. Yeah, pinball doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Art has become super important. Like right now, they made a pinball machine based off Iron Maiden and Stern's most recent game, and the pinball hobby just went nuts for it. Because oh, they they had that at Comic Con. Stern yeah. always has the machine. Yeah, at because you yeah. know it has really cool artwork. Um, it kind of looks like a heavy metal game if you think about it. And sure. uh, so basically, yeah, they want. Well, you you know you you what are you like thirty eight ish probably yes okay so you've probably noticed how like video game collecting goes in like twenty year nostalgia cycles yes so right now it's like sixty exactly four and maybe Super Nintendo Nintendo's getting old Atari's way done um, same thing with pinball so instead of like having a thirty year old who wants to remember when they were ten you got fifty year olds wanting to remember when they weren't married. So it's, it's that's why they, they build bars in their basements. That's why they're putting coin up in their basements. Like, oh, so it's when I was like in college, you know. And so, are they afraid of what's going to happen in fifteen, twenty when years when they all go to Florida they, to die? Well, that's part of it, but they're not. They're not. They're, they're keeping it an exclusive older man club. Yep. And because of that, I don't know anyone. That's my age or younger that has multiple machines or is interested in getting into it because the, the price of entry is way too high. Oh, it's skyrocketed so, lately. So what happens then when it, it, 20 years from now, a lot of these guys, either they retire, some of them will be dead, yep. and these guys are holding on to their pinball machines. They go back onto the market. You may not have buyers for them in 20 years. Yeah, exactly. It's a possibility. I mean, like uh- – I mean, you'll have barcades that buy them and arcades, but in terms of the amount of that are in people's private collections, like the people that are buying these new Sterns every year, yep. these new Jersey Jack pinballs, I don't know if there's going to be a place for them to go. Yeah, it's already happening. Like What usually happens is you've got a dude, rich dude, and his basement's full, and he's like, wow, I really want Iron Maiden. And then he's like, what game will I sell to make room for it? Because he's got no more room in his basement. So you've already kind of reached that saturation point. And then... You'd think with more pins being on the market that the price would come down. Like, But what's happening is prices just keep going up. Like the 90s Bally Williams titles are more expensive than ever. And then even like the uh, B-grade Data East Sega titles from the 90s that were considered trash, those are even going up in price because those are right now the affordable alternative to Bally oh, Williams. Oh, no. I love Baywatch. That's my that's my that's my guilty pleasure Bay, pinball Bay machine. Baywatch is a packed pin. If they made that game now, it'd be like a ten thousand dollar pin. There's a lot of stuff in that. game. I love that pinball machine. No. When I was like fifteen, I remember playing that game. This is a fun pinball machine. I didn't know it. I didn't care about the license. I see. Pinheads don't like it because it's got David Hasselhoff on the back glass, staring them dreamily into the eyes. That's but that's funny about it. That's what's funny about. I guess they're it. just insecure or something. <laughs> but then the rest of it's like is like chicks in bikinis. No, but. Yeah, people complain. I lo- it's all about theme and about art. So that's that's the reason why people, someone wouldn't want that game. But I'm thinking... It was so... Ch- like you were talking about like the old people dying and like if the new people aren't buying or they can't afford it. I want... like If millennials ever did start buying pins, I would want to buy all the cheap Space Jam pins and hook and then sell them. Because like, oh, Space Jam, I love that movie. Oh, I'll pay it. When I was five, I liked it. Everyone yeah, I liked Space that Jam. Movie, but then it's like... Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, young people liked it. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm um, definitely. There's even a guy in China. 
Uh, so he was like, I'm going to make a pin in China and it's going to be cheaper. But then even, I think he only got it down to like $5,000. It's not that much cheaper than a Stern Pro. And it's like, oh my God. Well, when I see, I see the remake of uh, of Attack from Mars costing almost seven grand, it's like, well, at that point, see that's, is it that much? That's not bad. That's not bad because that was actually cheaper than the Medieval Madness remake, which was 8000 And they put a bigger screen in it. But are they just pricing them that high because they know they can get away with it, or is there that's not actually the cost? Oh no, they know that the, they know they know the classic machines cost ten, twelve grand. So they figure, well, some idiots are only going to spend two thousand dollars. Classic less. machines didn't cost that much. I mean, Stern was selling new games for like thirty nine hundred as recently as two thousand ten. Basically, this so it's 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 just inflation, just because they oh, know no, the market's it, stupid. It's not even inflation. The inflation is when like the cost of the money goes up because of you know interest rates. Well, I this mean, is just okay, price gouging. <laughs> It's gouging. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's they know that idiots with a lot of money in their fifties are going to buy it, so they double the price of these machines in five years. Well, I mean, why does Nintendo makes their NES Classic? Basically, it's a TV game console. They sell it for sixty, and everything else at Walgreens is twenty. Why? Because it says Nintendo on it. It's the same thing. Well, I would argue that the NES Classic is probably built better than than an at games plug and play, and the, the IPs on Nintendo are worth more than. Those old uh, Sega games. That's probably part of it. I'm not saying... Yeah, we look at the build quality of an NES Class Edition. It's not like an act game. I was games, trying to like, think of an analogy Genesis. that would fit um, the, N- <laughs> the NES Punk, not the NES Punk. I know you hate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's great. Uh, yeah, I've definitely... I started you know doing pinball stuff back in 2010, and there's definitely been a lot of craziness. I think really it's like... It turns out you have a lot of like you know well-off people buying your product. They they have a lot of money and they're like, oh, it's something from my childhood. It's it's just like any nostalgia. Everybody wants to think they're a kid again. So it's like, oh, this makes me feel like I'm a kid. I'm putting quarters into a machine like when I was a kid. Like, yeah. Those- except that nostalgia costs you uh, tens of thousands yep. of dollars. Like That's you, the difference. You, if you try to sell a game without a coin mech, even if it's going to be using the home, people get pissed. It has. To, they want the coin. Yeah, mech. It has to look like it's coin op. So just, just for that. That sound, the chink, you know, like the little sound when you put the coin in. Yeah, even though they're never going to put a coin into it, it has to have a coin mech. It's insane. Sure. So, by the way, I, by the way, speaking of uh, spooky pinball, my, my local uh, there's a local restaurant around here that has about they always have about six to eight pinball machines. They have a total nuclear annihilation. Oh yeah, what a great game is like. What a great, what a great machine. It's a smash hit. So there you go. There's a there's a there's an original original uh, idea there. Um, and it's beautiful machine. I, um, I love, I love how frantic it gets. I love the colors on it. Anyone out there, check out this machine if you can find it. It's not your traditional pinball machine, just the weapon that way it looks. Um, it is, it is tough. There is a learning curve. Yep. I thought, I thought it was very unfair the first few times I played it. Then I, I started to learn how to play it that's better. How they get your money. They're, that's how that's how those <laughs> those dirty spooky pinball folks get your money. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a great job on that. I really I had, enjoyed I had that. To do Once with I got that into game, it, but thanks. Oh, you did? <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. That was uh, that was something else. But, but no, the other people at spooky actually, pinball. Actually, uh, <laughs> the, the rumor is that um, because that original theme has done so well, Stern might actually do an original theme game here soon. Well, there you go. Speaking of that, you ever find that missing uh, America's Most Haunted you're going to give me? You ever find that one? <laughs> I don't even have one anymore. You told me that it was one that was like broken in half. What did you tell oh, me? Oh, the one, one that, that was half completely one? smashed? Is that the one you told me about? I thought you said that you had one that was like broken in they, half or something. Uh, I think they switched carrier or shippers after that. But there was, I mean, we only made 150 of those. But I think at least 10 of them were basically completely destroyed in shipping. It was a pretty bad percentage. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. And then, you know, there is one where I think they... 
they took the insurance loss on it and then it was still playable. I actually used that one to do a code update because it was kind of like a, you know, you couldn't resell it, but, you know, it was still there. Sure. Um, but then there was one, uh, I think it was when we were in Texas, and the guy showed us a picture. And just imagine imagine if a pinball machine was dropped off like a 10-story building and basically splatted and flattened all the pieces on the ground. That's what it looked like. Yeah, I don't. Some of these 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 shipping companies they don't give they don't give a crap. There's actually a thing you can get. It's called a a tilt and tell, right? It's the sticker you put on it. It kind of like you know like that Willy Willy or like those games you'd play as a kid where you're rolling a ball around in plastic, you know, like those, you stick it. Uh, st- kind of. You stick you stick <laughs> this plastic thing on the side of your box, and it's got all these little blue beads in it, right? And there's two... P- so you'll know, you'll know if it's, it's been tilted? tilted. Is that yes. what it is? And then if the okay. beads tilt, there's glue so they can't be untilted. Gotcha. So if, you know, basically, I, the manufacturer using that now, so you can see if... Because uh, if the game tips over, you know, all the glass could break and... Uh, sure. I mean, you know, those... Yeah, whatever. But yeah, I remember so, we, had a, we had a really high destruction rate on that game, so we had to, you know, they had to be rebuilt. Well, it looked like a great game. I didn't actually get a chance to play it because at Portland um, they had one, but I, there was always people playing it. But I want to play America's Most Haunted. Do you think there's a chance if, if Spooky blows up on its current path that you could, you know, put a put out a second version of some of those older machines that maybe at first <sighs> eh, there wasn't people didn't know about them? Is it worth is it worth it going back to the well when, for that or no? When we were doing America's Most Haunted, it wasn't selling fast enough. We were worried we weren't okay. we wouldn't get to our break even, so we're like, okay, we're going to cap it at 150 units. And again, as soon as he did that, everyone came a running. Again, it's all about nostalgia, scarcity, blah blah blah. And uh, but then we we said we'd we'd cap it at one fifty, and so at least for that one, nope. It's too bad too because um, you know if we sold more, I'd make more money. But we're gonna stick to Damn it. Damn it! I know, I know. Actually, I was listening to a interview with one of the distributors, and he was like, "Well, one thing Spooky could do they they probably could have sold more of their other." You know, games if they had higher limits, like America's Most Haunted and, and Rob Zombie, because it's like limited to 150 and then 300. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we could have sold another 50 of those, and I could have had a Tesla in my driveway. But whatever. What are you gonna do? Oh, what are you, you going to do? You're going to make more at some point. That's where <laughs> maybe. I, I kind of wanted to make like a, all the R and D's done. I wanted to make like a, <laughs> like a follow up, like America's Most Weird, like uh, Urban Legends. So instead of ghosts, it'd be like Bigfoot or like Loch Ness Jersey Monster, Devil, Jersey Devil, <laughs> Skunk Ape, aliens, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, nice. that might be fun. But. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still at my new place, and I still, I, will, I, I do want to get a pinball machine since I have room. I'd have a room for like twenty of them, like some of these people out there. <laughs> yeah, I got twenty of them. Jesus Christ! I guess well, there's no, there's no basements in San Diego. That's part of it. Not many people have basements. Oh yeah, um, there's no need to. But I mean. Man, I just I can't imagine. I feel bad for their, their eventual kids cleaning out their their deceased father's uh, basement and having to deal oh, with twenty five pinball machines. That, that, that reminds me of a couple <laughs> jokes. So um, a friend of mine was looking for a house, and then he sent me a picture of it. He's like, "Hey, look! Th- I wonder if this one comes with the pinballs." And, he, and shows a picture of their basement. And I'm like, "Jesse, if they have a bunch of pinballs in the basement, you probably can't afford it." Uh, hashtag Zillow profiling. And then the other joke is a lot of these guys will lie to their wives about what the games cost, right? Oh my so, god! So this I, what was this one guy? He he got a uh, he got a, a Medieval Madness before it was redone, and then he had it like high end restored. So it's probably about fifteen thousand dollar game. And he told his wife it was fifty bucks. So the, what what what? So the joke is the joke is that. All his friends are like, when you die, we're all going to go in there and just pay your wife what she thinks these games are worth. <laughs> you know? 
I don't know what person would think a high-end pinball machine would cost 50 bucks. Unless you, you find it on the side of the road this guy also, from someone. This guy <laughs> also has... Um, he stores some of them at his place of business. And he actually has a Scooby-Doo thing. There's like a tool on a piece of pegboard that if you pull it, it opens up a door to where the games are in the shop. <laughs> I guess living in, living in fear of your... Uh, your uh, beloved wife, I guess. Who I don't would know. Think that my mom would know better <laughs> than that. That it's like it's I like look know. at how I'm, big this thing is. But no, that's a, that's the story. Like judge. he uh, apparently he, uh, but I guess that happens a lot. And then so the joke is like when you die, we're gonna go in there and just all we're gonna give her is what she thinks they're worth. Ha 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 ha. So yeah. So I guess so I guess that's when this all crashes. Fifteen twenty years is you're gonna have like go from eight pinball manufacturers back to one or two. Oh, probably. Because you're... because the thing is, yeah, I mean, if... Make that money now, Ben. Well... Make that money No, I'm now. like, if these... I mean, think about, like, maybe you're not quite old enough, like, in the 80s, like, 50s retro diners were the big thing, or, like, Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. And like, but now no one cares, because those... Maybe the fans are still out there, but they're all old, and they're spending their money on dentures and, like, medicine. Elvis, yeah, Elvis collectibles. That's that's the thing we talk about on the podcast, how there's no one to buy these people's Elvis collectible sets and Elvis merchandise and old records. No one cares anymore, so the value plummets, yep. and you have a bunch of stuff out there no one wants. And I was I said to people, and with uh, people like Chris Kohler, a gaming journalist, we're talking about the same thing with retro games. What's going to happen in 25 years? No one's going to want – when I say no, I mean in general, no one's going to want, an, like, a whole set of NES games no one's going to want genesis games in a physical cartridge what happens then you have a ton of these that in collectors hands they're going to come back onto the market and they're starting to now unfortunately collectors like uh collectors are passing away um you have you have collectors that uh, that are auctioning off their stuff a big auction happened in new jersey a month ago uh you have people just are getting out of it so if something gets hot, they get into it and then get out of it. If they get tired and realize that, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do with these thousands of games as I look at thousands of games in my in my vision when right I, now. You know, like that. When I was uh, packing some stuff to move, I went through all my Nintendo games and anything that was worth over $75, I put on eBay. I'm like, you know, I don't because I'm not I'm not going to play Bucky O'Hare or Mighty Final Fight, but I'll take the money for it. I, I sold my TurboGrafx stuff. That stuff is valuable. I was surprised. That went up. Yeah. That that went from being uh, un, almost unknown in about 2010. It was still unknown mm-hmm. to a few years later. All of a sudden, people want it. The same with the Master System. People move on from things like they, they move on from Nintendo. What's next? Oh, TurboGrafx. I got to get that. Oh, what's what's next? Genesis. I'll get on that. So the prices go from system to system. And plus, like you said, the nostalgia wave, 20 to 25 years later after a console comes out, people want to get it again. Yeah. That's sort of the cycle. 20 years happened with, with Atari stuff in the 90s. That was the hot system. What's- and and, and you know, so that's and that's what's going to happen with probably I'd say a couple more systems, but then it's going to run out because now we're getting to the end of physical media being a a intrinsically held sort of I guess moral value of a belief of having to own physical. I, items. I don't think you, the new consoles it's going to be gone, which means GameStop will be gone in about three years. I don't think I think that, yeah, whatever Xbox Two, PlayStation Five, <laughs> bye bye discs, they'll they'll be gone. Yeah, I mean, Switch, Switch. it works with the handhelds for Switch because they limit the amount of storage. Um, by the way, I hope you admit you're wrong on the Switch. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, even with the Switch, um, it's like Nintendo manufactures a cartridge, so they like physical media because they make more money on it. That's the same reason why they kept doing cartridges longer than anyone else. I was going to say about the nostalgia cycle, I worked at a phone call land when PlayStation came out and uh, N64. And uh, going back to the nostalgia wave, and... We it was funny. We would like 
when someone would walk in the door, we we knew if what they were going to buy just by how they looked. I know that sounds awful, but if uh, this is an N64 guy, this is a PlayStation guy, this is a Saturn, a weird Saturn well, no, hear guy. Me out. You, you so kinda... the N64 were all mostly kids. Although I mean, I played the hell out of like things like Goldeneye and stuff. Who didn't? But mostly a lot of kids. But then PlayStation, there's a reason I bring this up. PlayStation was always like a 25-year-old guy with a dirty starter jacket every time. Remember starter <laughs> jackets? Starter jacket. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they'd come, they'd come in and they would trade, they would trade two, of the, two of their games for one game. And that, that was back when you get a whopping $25 for a $50 game. Woo! And then they would ask when Madden was coming up because, of course, Madden was famously delayed an entire year for PlayStation 1. But my point is, if you think about the ages, so that that 25-year-old is now, uh, what, 40-year-old? Like 45. my age? Yeah. They don't care about video games. They care about their kids' dental bills and their alimony and their, their blood pressure and their mortgage, right? But it's like the 30-year-olds. The 30-year-olds, they have a good job now, hopefully, or they're starting to make some money. And they're thinking about what, what they liked 20 years ago. So what they liked was the N64, which is why that's nostalgic. Even though the PlayStation 1 was, sorry, much more popular, it didn't stick in our collective unconsciousness because the age group that enjoyed it basically isn't in the right nostalgia stage now. You know, they're, yeah. they're too old to care. Yeah, the PlayStation, it, it, we talked about it in the podcast about are people going to be collecting for systems in the future or just the games they liked or subsets? And, we, and you and I agree, it's going to be like subsets. You, you probably won't have many people that will say, oh, I want an entire PlayStation 1 library because the mentality sort of shifted. And plus, I don't know, it, it didn't have its own, I guess. I mean, the games had a style, but not like, there wasn't like, what's the PlayStation identity? Yeah, the games, you know, what's the PS2 identity? PlayStation 1 games are so freaking ugly. We went backwards. You know, we had beautiful SNES games. Games and the Genesis games, well, they weren't as beautiful. And then we went into all these ugly polygons. You know, it was like going backwards artistically. Then 64 was sure. better. You know, it was kind of blurry, but it, it oh, looked- that's an ugly system. And that's I think that's people are going to discover when the N64 Classic comes out. They're going to look like ugly ass games on your HDTV <laughs> unless they put a fucking Vaseline smear filter on that. And also, there's not going to be enough games. To put on it because they're not gonna have a, they're not gonna have access to the the rare games since Microsoft owns that now they're not gonna have Goldeneye they're not gonna have Banjo on there so you're you're gonna have properties real quick that people actually remember that you're gonna put on there that aren't Nintendo first party mm-hmm. games it's gonna be interesting with point. the N64 yeah. Classic you're, you're, you're they're gonna struggle to get the 20 games of a, a variety that aren't all Nintendo first party games they're gonna yeah, struggle isn't there only like 200 some games for that system. There was two ninety six. So you're like a third of what Nintendo had, probably. Uh, roughly. I yeah. know you, you so, know all uh, those numbers. That's why I asked. Ah, uh, in general. <laughs> well, I'm working on a Super Nintendo book, so I know there's about you know seven hundred and ninety Super Nintendo games. You know, for example. So that's about the same as the the NES. Oh, okay. uh, NES had a little bit more, a little more European exclusive stuff like all that right. when you put it together. But, but yeah. no, you're right. Uh, I think. Um, Hopefully, well then. I mean, the like we mentioned, the TNA game uh, that was Scott's. Like, oh, I don't know. He's like thirty something. He's like he's a little older than he looks. Actually, I hope he never hears that, hears me say that. But he's younger. So the guy doing the Pirates of the Caribbean game for Jersey Jack, he's like thirty, twenty nine. He's really young. So mm-hmm. hopefully, it can skew a little younger eventually. Because yes, once these fifty year olds get old, sell their house, and go down to Florida to die. They're, you know, what happens <laughs> to, to, to die? <laughs> I've just become super crass lately. I don't care. 
I think you're. I think I like. I like the Ben doesn't give a shit anymore. Uh, heck, I, I like it. You're like, ah, screw YouTube, screw the comments. <laughs> I'm done with all you assholes. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go work at uh, at Taco Bell and, or something. So, um, well, the good news is that living in Wisconsin, you can and, may, and be not in San Diego. You can't do that. In Wisconsin, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, God, I saw a sign that Taco Bell starts at like 14:50 here. So, of course, that's uh, okay. I'll do that. I'll just move out <laughs> near you and just I'll, I'll buy the house next to you tomorrow and just be neighbors. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. Like what a house like this one costs now kind of makes me puke. But then, yeah, to someone in California. It would just make you chuckle. So it's, it's, it's I'd be like, ah, ha, 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 I'll buy four of them. That's, that's cute. <laughs> no, exactly. I actually talked to, I, yeah. I talked to Norm, uh, my friend Norm, gaming historian. He, you know, he lives in Kansas City, which is up and rising, younger people moving yeah, there. Yeah. And he, he tells me the, the size of his house on his block. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Norm, I'll buy both of them next to, next <laughs> each, either side of you. We can, be, we can just hang out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was it's, kind of funny. It's, it's, it's rough, but you know, and that's the thing about YouTube uh, revenue and Twitch is that, yeah, that doesn't change based upon other jobs. The, the, the salaries alter based upon living mm-hmm. expenses, not not internet money. That's all static. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, <laughs> that's all static. So you can you can live somewhere based upon my YouTube revenue and be comfortable, not in San Diego. You wouldn't. You can't. You can't survive on the YouTube revenue alone. So it's like I'm working harder to to you know maintain what someone else has. But then again, if I if I ever want to retire, I can just sell my house and be and move to like you know New Mexico or Wyoming right, right. And, and just live forever. Hmm. So there is that. You know, I, I or, never or, or, or be Ben Hex neighbor. I never, no, there's cheaper places than here. I never thought about that with YouTube. But you're right. Like if you were like in like yeah. Kentucky or New Mexico or something that you have your yeah good but versus regular employment where it's like oh you know if you get a game studio in game studio in uh, even like if you were like in Houston versus Austin you'd have to pay people a pretty different amount of money because of where you are of course hmm. yeah plus they recruit people so the the cost goes up and the, the, there's more oh, businesses there so the cost goes that up. reminds yeah. me of one but, more uh, thing uh, with video games uh, when people complain about the price you know the DLC. And but they forget because all of these game studios are in really expensive cities. It's not like we're ah. right. Think about it. It's in Austin, Texas. It's in San Francisco. It's in Los Angeles. It's in Seattle. It's in Vancouver. It's not people got to pay their rent. Right. It's 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 <laughs> not in uh, in uh, Earl, Kentucky, or something like that, or Mexico. So I, I think about that when people complain like. You know, oh, games have been sixty dollars for twelve years, and they're complaining why there's so much DLC. It's because they put less in the game because it costs more to make every year. But the games are all made in expensive places by programmers who have to get paid a lot. So you got an expensive profession in an yeah. expensive city. It's much artists. Yeah, I mean, I think people get so conditioned to like, oh, this piece of junk from China hasn't gone up in price in ten years because of Walmart pressuring it not to. But then, why is my game? It's like. I'm sorry, but you just made me think of that. That's a, I, I get so big, sick of people on YouTube who can't do math or know what inflation is, complaining about DLC and stuff. Sorry, it's a hmm. no. That's why I mean, and getting back to the cost of living. I mean, I know someone lives in San Francisco for a major gaming journalistic website, mm-hmm. and he can't and he can't save any money. All the money just goes to rent and just basically living expenses, and he can't save anything. I'm like, wow. That seems awful yeah, uh, to do that. So, so, so San Diego's in the top ten. I mean, San Francisco is like the one or two. I forget if it's uh, the state or the country. Uh, most expensive places in the in the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I think San Diego's like nine or ten. Oh. So you have you have New York uh, probably uh, number one. New York, San Francisco, LA, LA are the top three. 
I forget where that where they fall out, but they're the top three. San Francisco they're might all be really first cool still. cities. I guess that's why they cost so much to live there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is what it is. People want to live where it's fun and things are at, and there's jobs and yeah. and models and and like you said, Teslas. Speaking of Tesla, I want to bring this up about the Tesla. I, I think I'm not I'm not comfortable when people like uh, I guess when you have. When people look at these tech guys like either Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, uh-huh. and they make them so celebrities, when these are really just businessmen with good ideas, and they have deep pockets and investors, and it, it's just weird to me whenever I see this happen. It only happens with a few individuals, for, you know, for each generation. Yeah. We put these guys on these pedestals, and I mean they're struggling to get this this new model, uh, the new Model X. They're struggling to get this thing even out. Yeah, Tesla. There's or Model no S. What is it? The Model No, the X, the X, the $40,000 one. Yeah. They they might they could fail. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know it's kind of they could, but but no, I, I don't know. It's kind of cool that they have celebrity people like I mean, like I don't know. If you look at like I I believe I really think Apple's kind of like become stagnant ever since Steve Jobs left. And maybe he was just a celebrity who talked really well, but he had something. There was something to him that must have that worked. If you look at Apple with mm-hmm. Steve Jobs and Apple without Steve Jobs both times, and it felt his loss. Yeah, but now we have other electric cars catching up and being produced, which is great. The more electric cars, the better. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, Tesla taking longer than – I mean, it's been in production for three years, the Model X, but I'm looking at the, the sales per quarter. They're not making them fast enough. The, the quarter four, 2017, they only sold 13,000. Did you bring oh. that up because their plant is – well, it's not in San Francisco, but it's near San Francisco. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just wondering about how how this tech thing happens and how, you know, I don't know. It's just weird to me to, to the, we have a, we have a problem with with uh, worshiping celebrities in general in our society. I mean, that's that goes back forever. Yeah. But we, I think we're doing it more and more with social media. But when you have when you have someone like this, that why are they being lauded so much? Just because they're <laughs> a CEO of well, a company. <laughs> Or, or I mean, uh, I, I was kind of thinking about that the other day because I was on Twitter and we were talking about how I was telling everyone that they should remake Back to the Future, which I know sounds terrible, but uh, and I was like, yeah, you could even rip off the Ronald Reagan joke, you just do it with Trump. Because if you think about like in the in the eighties, yeah. before you had Bill Gates and all that, Trump was the celebrity default rich person. You know, I mean, maybe a hundred years ago mm-hmm. it was like Rockefeller or something, but then yeah, in the nineties, sure. then instead of like rich you know, developers or Rockefellers or oil men. Then it became like Bill Gates. Like nobody knew who Bill Gates was in the eighties. Uh, but then, you know, he became like a celebrity and then Steve jobs, you know, Steve jobs was, you know, hot shit in the seventies. And then he went away like what, 84. And then he, he came back to Apple, what, 98. So then he was kind of back in the news cycle again. Yeah. The iPod comes huge and there you go. You're off. And I don't running know. Again. I mean, I, I, I think there's something to it. So you, why you bring this up because of Elon Musk or what? I just think it's dangerous in general, but to couple uh, the you know celebrity uh, sort of cult worship. But when you couple that with someone who's trying to dominate a techno- techno- technological market, that to me is even weirder because now it brings into uh, commercial status and trying to you know sell products to you at the same time. That's just weirder to me than saying, "Oh, I like I'm worshiping Beyonce or." Or you know, or a movie star. It's like, well, that doesn't have global ramifications potentially. I think it's better. I think you know. I would think it's better to well, maybe worship is a strong word, but I mean, someone like Elon Musk or uh, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, they arguably are a lot more important than a movie star. They, 
actually build things. They maybe think of a better way to make cleaner cars. They are better at, you know, communication. I mean, you know, if you think about the internet, it didn't really explode because until we had Windows 95, like Windows, I think people kind of forget how important Windows 95 was back in the day. And that was a Bill Gates thing. Sure. And Steve Jobs revolutionized a lot of things with Apple. You know, he invented, I mean, look at the, the cell phone. I mean, that's like a paradigm shift of technology. Like that's like our version of the wheel. That's our generations. Like, look, we invented the wheel, maybe even more so. And you know, that really, you know, you give that to Steve Jobs. So, um, you mean, you mean the smartphone, not the oh, cell yeah, phone. I'm the sorry, smartphone. smartphone, but I'm, you see I was, what I was I'm saying? Say. Like, yeah. I think yeah. if you're going to worship somebody, I think it's better, even if, even if, you know, Steve Jobs allegedly wasn't even that good of an engineer, but he definitely knew how to run a company and had a vision. So he arguably can do more to change people's lives than like Beyonce. So, but of course I'm going to say that I because say, I'm oh, in yeah, engineering. I, I think, it's, I think it's dangerous either way. But then again, people worshipped you on your YouTube channel. They were sad to see you go. What was the final, not straw, that's a strong connotation. <laughs> what, was, what was the final th- uh, you know, moment in your mind or point in time where you said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm out. <sighs> was there a, a, one moment or was this sort of built over years and years? It, no, it, it just kind of built up. There wasn't any like defining factor, you know, like where someone farted or something like that. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, it was... Um, the, la- the last couple, well, even before I decided to leave, I mean, the last couple of years, I actually usually kept continuing more for my coworkers because the more people we hired, the more people were affected or benefited by the show. Sure. You know? That makes sense. So you felt you had an obligation to them. Right. First, it was just me. Then it was myself and Allison, then Felix, and then Max, and then Karen. So like four people. And, um, you know, I, I, mean, I would think about that too. And you know, it was like, okay, you know. It's not just me. Like, even if I'm being a bitchy prima donna about lights in my face or uh, – I did get into an argument with Max once because he was wearing flip-flops. And I'm like, I'm trying to concentrate. I'm having to think of things to say in a camera, and you're pacing back between the two cameras in flip-flops. So imagine you're trying to concentrate, <laughs> and you're like – I mean, I personally think flip-flops should be an illegal form of footwear, but uh, that's what? just me. Uh-oh. What? What? <laughs> just imagine trying to concentrate while you're talking to a camera and hearing that uh but that that wasn't that wasn't uh a thing no don't, don't move this don't move to san diego then ben <laughs> hey you know, i know your feet would be actually, frozen you know in wisconsin what? even besides filming yes i had to admit i hate the sound of them <laughs> anyway okay. um no, but it was just kind of like, you know, I was like, okay, I think I've, I think I've done enough. I, I can't, I, I mean, I thought we would be done after like two seasons. I can't believe we kept thinking of things to make, but at a certain point I'm like, I think I need to do something else. Uh, yeah. And then at a certain point it's like, hmm, am I just doing this for the money? I'm like, I guess I kind of am. So it's like, you know, eventually it was like, I, it's time to move on. So, so, so what did you most like about it? What did you least like about doing a YouTube show? Um, well, they always treated me well and they, they paid me well. So that's good. I mean, that's ultimately the goal of any job. I don't care what people say. Uh, that part was good. We have a lot of like fun memories of there's a lot of good trips. Um, a lot of fun times. We got to build a lot of cool things. Like when we first started, they're just like, yeah, just build things, you know, build things and get people excited about electronics. And then we'll have, you know, every so often a promotional thing pointing them back to the site. But as you're right, as you said, yeah, it wasn't usually too overburdensome. So when I first started, I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to build this. I could never justify it because when I was working for myself, everything I built, I had to be able to sell All those mods that I would make. Everything got sold. Um, but then now it's like, okay, I can't really justify this um, see-through portal 
Halloween costume where there's a hole in me with an LCD, but I can make an episode about it. So that was something that I really enjoyed about it originally. Uh, but then, yeah, as the years went by, like we kind of kind of started running out of things to do uh, <laughs> in a way. Because if, if oh, here's creatively exhausting. That would be a good way to put it. Gotcha. So you think, okay, well, what do I have to create this week? God, what what do we? We already do that idea. Oh, we kind of did that idea already. Yeah, we can't do that again. Yeah, or there's stuff that. I would like to do that. I don't like that last episode, like building epic computers. I mean, I love that stuff, but I don't know how far I could really stretch that. Uh, but no, like, so like in about 2016, I'm like, okay, we need to uh, wind this down. And that's when we said, okay, well, we'll do 1.5 more years, which is, as I said, you know, the combination of two uh, fiscal years. And then I, I, th- I think they were, they still scrambled a little too much in the end as what, what to do once I was gone. Uh, but do you think uh, I mean, you know, do you think the 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 appeal of the show, it was it, you were a large part of it, obviously. Do you think it'll it'll continue on with the same success? Will it struggle kind of like when Mythbusters got rid of their their pe- oh, uh, the original yeah. the two well, guys? The young, well, the young the young people, right? The three younger people. Uh, they got yeah they got rid of the the the, the, the younger crowd yeah. and, the, and the two guys got pissed and I think they left a year after that and they were done I think that's what happened. Well, I'm sure they're I'm sure Discovery is like okay your ratings are down this much we can continue the show if you cut this much budget and they're like well okay let's get rid of the young people but I th- aren't they bringing back MythBusters? I have no idea. Okay, I, all I know is that it was bad getting rid of that sort of that B team or secondary squad because they was a, they were a nice juxtaposition to the. To uh, Adam and the other guy, and one of the MythBusters was there at Comic Con to do a signing. I forget which one. Oh, the redheaded guy. Sure. Yeah, he he goes every Jamie. year. Jamie goes. He goes. Yeah. No, no. Oh, no. Jamie's the other one. Well, Jamie's anyway, the other one. Uh, shit. I can't remember what we were talking about. Now we were talking about uh, the, the, your replacements. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. I. Well, you know, we did we did crossover episodes with them. You know, like uh, oh, it's my cousin. Or well, not like that. We did we did crossover episodes. We did like two or three of those, and then we did uh, we've done Google Hangouts. We filmed those. Actually, actually, we're gonna do another one tomorrow. So I guess I'm still not completely done. But uh, yeah, I'm off contract now. So like, oh. but anyway, uh, yeah. So we we tried to transition as much as possible. It still feels like you know. I told them I was leaving in 2016. I think they probably could have prepped a little better. They actually they were going to hire this local guy named Bob Badley, who's a friend of Karen's, and he was going to basically do what I did. And so they, 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 I don't know, they contacted him a year ago, and they're like, okay, well, you know, if he's still, and you know, he was a self-employed uh, contract worker like I was, and but then basically he like landed a full-time job, and he's like, well, sorry, I can't take over now. So then that that caused part of the problem. I but, you see. Know, so so do you, are you leaving behind a legacy? You think that people. Not just what you created, but your certain style, you had a, you, had a, you know, your wry sense of humor. You think that's what people are going to miss about your videos? Not just, you know, the cool, obviously the cool gadgets you put together, well, the cool little co- consoles and things like that. I would say I'm a much better speaker than engineer. I think oh. the ability to um, disseminate information is just as, if not more important than oh, sure. knowing it. I mean, I know how to do stuff clearly, but I think, yeah... I think my personality was a big part of it because I, I have a kind of irreverence to myself, and uh, but I can explain things pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. But you know, when people are like, "Oh, you know, oh, we're going to miss you." I'm like, "There's 350 episodes that we did, which is a lot for any channel." So it's like it's going to take it'll take you a long time to get through those as a backlog. So <laughs> so what are, now? What does the future hold for Mister Heck? What what do you got going on? Or do you, uh, you convalescing still? 
<laughs> yeah, right now I am. Um, like I, I've, I've been just basically working half days. Like I'll just work on some projects. Like I'm developing some new uh, controller, video game controller testing equipment, uh, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while. That's something I, I do that a lot for like game development. It's not ever on my site or anything. Mm-hmm. Making a new version of that. I want to make more accessibility controllers, like newer versions of that as well. Like basically stuff I haven't gotten around to doing because I've been too busy on the show. Uh, we're working on putting a movie together. Um, as well, like a horror film. Okay. Might, might film this fall. I guess we'll have to see. That will probably be done down in Australia, actually. Um, yeah. So, no, so, no, so you have no predilection for doing your own YouTube channel, uh, doing something like that. You're off YouTube. <sighs> Not really. I don't know. I don't even know if people would watch anymore. Like, because I think there was at one point in my contract where if I quit the show, I could continue the channel. And I think I've didn't realize how valuable that was and that, that slowly like sneakily went away in my contracts really but now you can do it though no 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 it's like if it's like okay ben we're done sponsoring you but then you can take the ben heck show channel with all the viewers with you oh if you could have taken the whole channel oh not the separate yeah. channel you could have taken the whole channel i okay. think that that disappeared from the contract a while ago and i didn't really care that much although looking oh, back wow. now that's well, a val- prob- valuable uh, YouTube channel. I was going to say, they, prob- they probably realized how valuable that was to give away. And you know what? Since they paid for it, that's perfectly within their rights to do. I don't know. I-, I would love to do like a hands channel. Like who's that guy who reviews junk on his couch? Ashens. You ever see that guy? I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or there's a lot of channels that you don't even see the guy's face. It's like, if it's just my hands, you know, if, it, if, <laughs> if I did anything, it would just be my hands, you know, that way I wouldn't even have to shave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Right, <laughs> you're growing out that beard. So no, no ideas for uh, for uh, doing a pod, a new podcast at all, like a tech podcast, well, something like that. We still have the BenHack dot com podcast on my website, which we stopped doing for a while when I started doing the show. But then, like in the last two or three years, we started resuming it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So we, we I'll, I'll still be doing that. I don't. I the only reason I might want to do something on YouTube again or video is that. Um, I really feel like my video editing skills have atrophied. Like I've had someone else doing it for me for seven years. So it's like I've forgotten, which makes me kind of feel bad. Like I was trying to – I was using After Effects the other day and I'm like, where did that filter go? Ooh, where do I click? You know, like an old person. So that makes me feel bad. Um, you, you, can, you can finally look at my uh, NES uh, golf swinging uh, device. You can finally oh, take a look at that. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I could. <laughs> I guess I could. Uh <laughs> Actually, that is one negative. Like a lot of times, people would give me something like that, and I'm like, okay, I can totally justify this as an episode. But if you're working for yourself as a contractor, like I, I had this, wasn't you, as some other guy who's always asking me to do something in the show, and then he asked me again. I'm like, well, the show's done now, so that'll be 125 dollars an hour. And then, <laughs> then he stopped emailing me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. I guess I guess the closest thing for me is people asking me to price out their collection or games for them. I'm just like, I don't. Why, they could do why, that themselves. Why would I have time for that? <laughs> yep. Well, I actually had someone look at my uh, my it's true swing NES golf accessory, which is very rare, and they said that they could not find the LCD to replace the cracked one with it. They couldn't find that type anymore. I guess it was a very specific type. That, so, that was what was wrong with it. Uh, there's a YouTube channel I called EEV Blog. It's this engineer dude down in Australia. And uh, he did an episode recently where he showed all the steps into getting a custom LCD made in China. Like, oh. Uh, I've, I've seen other products like that, too. So you you can actually go into, like, I don't know, Adobe Illustrator, draw all the segments, 
give them the measurements and the specs and they will make you one. And it's actually not that expensive. Oh, okay. I'll look into that when I eventually find out where I stored that in packing. I have no idea where it is. You know, that's one of the things when you move, I've like accounted for everything that I've needed to get <laughs> except yep. for the two things that I've been looking for. I haven't found a digital scale to mail things. And I had a freaking uh, right angle needle nose, like iron pliers. Yep. That was probably made like in the fifties and I lost it and I have not, you can't buy them anymore. They don't sell them. And it's something probably my grandfather gave to me. So I'm kind of annoyed uh, that I lost that little tool. It was great. Cause it was like getting little nooks and crannies when you're going to your computer. Yeah. yeah. They don't. Yeah. I can't I, find it. It might show up when I moved the last time I lost my car title. And that was the big one. I still don't know where oh, that's a big one. Replacement. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big uh, one. When I moved, I lost my Horizon Zero Dawn disc. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, what movie did I watch? You put it in before you played I, it. I pulled it out of the PlayStation 4 in order to watch <laughs> Blu-ray. Then I'm thinking, well, I never hardly watch movies anymore. Although for some reason, I've been watching Indiana Jones. So I'm like, I think I watched Raiders of Lost Ark with my friend. in, De- no, in no, Temple of Doom in December with my friend. So I would have taken the disc out, and then what would I have set it in? But now all of my game discs have been jumbled up, so it's not like what game box is laying on the coffee table. It could be any of them. Uh, you got to you take one day to go through yeah. everything to find it. It's basically it. like the end of Rage of Lost uh, Ark when they put the Ark in that in that warehouse. That's my Horizon Zero Dawn disc. Well, that's the rest of my house. I mean, I, <laughs> I have two rooms that are just overfull of my collection right now, and the garage is more organized. You couldn't walk in the garage the first couple months. I have too much shit. Uh, I'm, it, this is really the inflection point where... I really think, okay, I got to pare down my collection. I keep saying that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get rid of like half my stuff. I have to. It's just yeah, too much should, stuff. You should just too say, much. okay, what, what price is worth it for me to bother with eBay? Although eBay is not that hard. Well, to me, it's not really the price. It'd be more the sentimental value of, okay, like the NES collection, that makes sense to keep all that. The Turbo Graphics collection is so small. It fits on half a little shelf right here. There's and only it's 100, valuable. 130-something games. But I don't need all these N64 games. I don't need all the Super Nintendo games. I don't need all these Sega CD and Saturn games. I don't need all these Genesis games. You know, like, I just don't. I'm never going to play them. I know that. I have a lot of PlayStation, original PlayStation games that I'm never going to play. So, yeah, just stuff like that where I'm like, okay. I, and it's really the box consoles where I'm kind of have a sickness. It's like, right. I need all 12 uh, NES box variants? Probably not. Like, I, like, I'm missing, like, two of the variants. Do I really need to get those or just get rid of them and keep, like, f- even four? I can keep, like, the original deluxe uh, one, the New York Test one. I can keep, like, the, the one I had as a kid with, with Super Mario Brothers and maybe a couple others. And then I don't need, like, the, the freaking power pad set in my collection. Do I really need that? Like, do I really need the fucking <laughs> yeah. power pad set? You know? It's, it's just... It's- I mean, maybe I know people like to put all the stuff in the wall behind them and do their YouTube video, but yeah, how much do you really need? Like, you know what I have in my living room? I have the uh, retro USB Nintendo, and there's an EverDrive in it, and then I've got that wireless 8-bit dough receiver, and those then are nice. Yeah, the controller. That's that's all I need. I, I I I like I what was it? I was like like. Xbox 360. I'm like, well, this is the last gen. I'm never going to play this again. Why do I even the have last it? gen? <laughs> no, it's like I have a, I am. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me to play Mass Effect, and I'm like, I am not going to play that game. That game is 10 years old. I'm never going to play it. I'm sorry. That's just how I am. It's either like what's brand new, or yeah, like Nintendo, eh, Atari. That'll all be on the. That'll stuff. all be. I, I, I bet that, well, now with the new games, then they're now all on Xbox and on Windows 10. So I think in the future, you're going to have to worry about it anyway. You'll be able to play all these games on the computer. 
yeah. at least list all these Xbox games, and that'll be the best for everyone anyway. Well, I'm not, I don't want to play yeah. Mass Effect on my computer though, because I have a perfectly good couch. You know, that's like that's like a living room game, right? Oh, okay, you know, uh, with, that makes you know, sense. With the controller, it's like I gotta. Cause, yeah, no, I don't know about you. I set up my computer way too much anyway. If I have, if I can play something in my living room, that's up. That's the version I go for. That makes so. sense. All right, Ben, this was great catching up with you for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else going on? Where can people reach you online? Uh, BenHeck.com is my website. It's still up. Also on Twitter, <laughs> I'm at Ben Heck. I'm usually talking about stupid things like cooking or um, whatever, but that's where I am. Actually, I've noticed I've gotten a lot of followers lately, so I think maybe people are jumping on there since I'm leaving YouTube. Well, there you go. See, people, people, you know, people don't, don't like to tech. They like you. You're part of the whole ensemble of, of technology and humanizing it and making it relatable. And that's why you were such a success for so long. And I, I don't think, uh, I'm not speaking out of turn here. I think Element 14 is not going to be able to replicate the success of the show without you. That's all. That's, that's, that's my opinion. I think there are unique talents I have or a unique combination of talents. Yes. <laughs> okay, Liam Neeson. You have a unique set of skills. <laughs> well, no, I mean, a lot of times, you know, um, you know, if someone's really good at one thing, they, being able to communicate is very important. And yes, and being a jack of all trades is uh, I, I'm a jack of all trades. There's something to be said for that versus just being a, a really big expert in one avenue but not being able to do something else. It sounds like you're kind of a jack of all trades yourself, which is which is good. Uh, there's still things I need to learn more Linux. I wish I knew more about that. I do know how to weld now, so that's good. You're a jack, I said. You're not a master of <laughs> Linux. You're a jack of Linux. That's what Although, I just said. You're, you're probably better at cutting rocks than I am because I just tried that for the first time. <laughs> I'm not cutting the rocks myself. I have workers <laughs> with big steel saws. I'll cut a finger off. I can't do that. These are Nintendo thumbs. I need these. So that's a different between us. Like I'll I'll cut my own rocks. I was thinking. Oh, I, I was um I was doing landscaping work. So I was putting rocks out front by my bushes, and I was like. Thinking like, what if I crush one of my fingers? Like, I need my fingers to solder and make money. You know, I did. I did. My went through my mind, but then I went. I picked up my Pixel phone and I put my hand on the fingerprint sensor, and my my finger was all swollen from the rocks, and it didn't detect it. And I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. You got to get your fi- fingers insured, like models get their faces and legs insured. You got to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a freaking hand model. All right. Well, yeah, it was uh, really good talking with you. So hopefully, people find this enjoyable. And so yeah, I mean, I may be gone from the Ben Heck show and YouTube, but I'm definitely still out there on the internet. So yeah, follow me at, on Twitter and uh, check out my website. Yeah, we'll do this again. It won't be 14 months. We'll, we'll, we'll check out back in when you probably get your next uh, venture going, your next pinball machine or what have you. You'll, you'll think, and you'll think of something. You're going to get back at, on, on the horse, we, I think. We, uh, I do have a Whitewood at Spooky that wasn't finished. We may actually be finishing that now, so we'll see. Also, are you going to a Portland this year? I'll be there. Oh, I'll be at Portland with bells on, of course. Cool, cool. I guess we can talk then. We'll do that. All right, Ben. Thanks so much. Take care. Later. The Not So Common Podcast is proud to be working with NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and now you can too. If you care about your privacy and the security of your information, NordVPN is giving you 77% off a three-year plan when you go to nordvpn.com slash pat or use code pat. At checkout, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. Today, having a VPN is more critical than ever. Why? If you're doing anything online, your information and browsing habits are out there for anyone to get a hold of. You're at risk. ISPs, internet service providers, can track our every move and user information to their benefit. Not ours, selling our browsing habits, even slowing down the sites we visit. When you use NordVPN, you can have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers in 62 countries, and those connections secure your information using military-grade 
encryption. That means your information and what you do online is nearly impossible to track. I'm using the NordVPN app on my phone and laptop, so that means when I'm getting free Wi-Fi at the coffee shop, the airport, or hotels when I go to conventions, wherever, I know things like my passwords and banking info are masked. The folks at PCMag made NordVPN their editor's top VPN choice. One account lets you protect up to six devices with one account. There is an app for Android. On iOS devices, there's unlimited bandwidth and a money-back guarantee. And a quick aside here, hopping on servers around the world, as NordVPN lets you do, has a few other benefits I've been testing out, like accessing streaming services in other countries. Again, that special offer, which breaks down to only $2.75 per month. You get it by going to nordvpn.com slash pat or use code PAT and get going with your secure web browsing with NordVPN. So, guys, that's it for this Not So Common Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice or YouTube. There's Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. You can listen to the podcast anywhere. Click that bell for the subscriptions, whatever that means. Leave a comment. Let others know how much you enjoy my interviews and my rambling. Finally, if you want to help support me and the Not So Common Podcast and my other content, please check out my Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash Thanks, everyone. I'll see you next time.